Now, for those who may not know, our entire theme of the year is based around this. It's our year of exponential growth. Okay? And our scripture is this one. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Can you imagine how much you will grow if the material that's building you is the material that created the world? And very soon, we are going to start looking at that word grace, and we are going to go deep into it. Because I've come to discover sometimes that as Christians, you may think people know this stuff, but they don't. You ask your neighbor, what is grace? If they don't know, let them just say, don't worry, the pastor will teach us. <laughs> huh? Someone will say, unmerited favor. You ask them, what is merit? <laughs> what is favor? You ask someone, what is favor? They will do this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, the word of his grace, I think if you had to read from another translation, it would tell you the message of his grace. It's also called something else in another chapter. Give me 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. From verse 17, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. Uh -huh. I want you to see this. I want you to see the other title for the word of his grace. Next verse, please. Now, all things of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Next verse. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So the word of his grace is also the word of reconciliation. And there's also what is called the ministry of reconciliation, which is what we've been called to. You will see that as we go on. But today we are looking at the ultimate messenger. The importance of a message can be seen by who is sent to give it. That's why if you are sent to give an important message, you'll find that there is a way you might have to carry yourself. So for example, I can't come to church dressed like just anyone. People might not take the message seriously if the messenger doesn't look like he's serious. Is somebody getting my point? So you find every week you're going to have to try to look your best. and do fancy hairstyles. If a random person walked in here and said, uh, people, I just wanted to tell you that uh, Bill Gates has decided to give everyone here one million, how many people believe that some random guy has come? And then they were even going to say, to activate the one million, send us 500. <laughs> Isn't that how some people are scammed? No, you have won. 
have, have no idea. You, the person carrying the message is very important. Not everyone is allowed to speak on behalf of the president. Not everyone is allowed to speak even on my behalf. Somebody said that ultimate messenger. So now, in the Bible, we primarily see the following messengers sent. And I'm going to give you some highlights of a few before we go to the ultimate messenger. The first kind of messengers we see are beings that are called angels. Somebody say angels. angels. Say it again, angels. angels. Now, angels are supernatural heavenly beings that are sent to deliver a message on God's behalf. And usually, especially in the Old Testament, this was a message of deliverance. It was a message of freedom. But you'll notice something. And maybe let me just explain a little bit of, of Bible here. If you attended the prayer meeting, you observe that during the prayer meeting, we made mention how the earth has been given to man. The heaven is God's, but he's given the earth to man. Have you noticed that when angels were sent, they would come and raise a person? Have you noticed that when angels were sent to Israel, they would come and raise a deliverer in the form of a person? An angel came to Gideon. When God spoke to Moses, we are, we are told that it, it, we are told initially that that was the angel of the Lord, right? So generally, when angels would be sent, they would try to raise a deliverer out of a man. Is somebody getting this? So there, is, there are what are called angels. Angels are messengers. And I can give you several examples from the scriptures of where angels were sent. Angels were sent to Daniel. And in the New Testament, angels were, there was an angel who was sent to deliver two very significant messages. One of them was about the man who was going to prepare the way. The other one was about the way. But I want you to see something about angels and the kind of power they would carry being messengers. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Do you remember the ultimate messenger? I want us to, to, to read a story of uh, Zacchaeus. Let's read verse maybe 15. Not Zacchaeus, Zachariah. Zacchaeus is the guy who was not the tallest of people, right? And then he climbed the tree. Let's start from verse 13 maybe, like from where the angel begins to speak. Okay, from verse 11 probably. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Uh -huh. And when Zachariah saw him, he was troubled and fear came upon him. Why? Because this is an angelic being. And sometimes they appear in their heavenly form, in their celestial body. And it's glorious. But sometimes they can even appear like a man. And the man didn't have to be America. 
Okay. You know, some people think the Holy Spirit has got like this British accent, like, like Frederick, how are you doing today? I've got a word for you. No. What makes you think you can't hear the Holy Spirit as Frederick? I mean, come on. <laughs> I was in shock one time. Okay, let me not say that story. It is well. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. If you want to activate the ministry of angels, what must you be? Prayerful. Have you noticed an angel responded to Daniel's prayer? So be prayerful. So it says, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. So that shows you that as glorious and celestial as the angels were, they couldn't be the ultimate messenger because the earth has not been given to them. Praise God. Praise God. So they couldn't be. As a matter of fact, if you study the book of Peter, we are told that they learned salvation from looking at God's dealing with us. It says the angels look and they marvel. Can you imagine there are probably some angels who had never seen God before? Haven't you read? Is it the seraphims who cover their faces? Only for him to be born on earth. I've got a feeling somewhere now. Just come check what's going on. Going on. Anyway, God is a man. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. So the ultimate messenger, we're looking at the message of, of grace and we're looking at the ultimate messenger. Who delivered this message? So for years the angels would come, but usually their delivery would be to raise a man to enforce it. And it's interesting that these angels also appeared to a certain man named Moses. Which brings us to the second kinds of messengers in the Bible, the prophets. Somebody say the prophets. This is what God said about prophets. Give me Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12 is a very sobering portion of scripture. It will teach you to keep your mouth shut. I will show you. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So according to them, this was wrong. Why did Moses marry an Ethiopian? Praise God, an African. A Gentile. They didn't know that God had a plan for Moses. And was showing that Christ the gentle wife. Okay, let's go. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? They start reducing him. Has he not spoken through us also? And the Bible says the Lord heard it. Moses didn't have a vision. Moses didn't have a dream. The Lord heard it. Next verse. Now then the man Moses was very humble. It's interesting that this is in bracket. And Moses is the one who wrote it. Now, now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Next verse. Suddenly, the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. And the Lord came 
down in the pillar of cloud and stood at the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Next verse. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Uh-huh. Not so with my servant Moses. You know what you're saying? This guy you're talking about is not just a prophet. He's more than that. And he says, he's, a, he's faithful in all my house. Uh-huh. I speak with him face to face. Even plainly. Not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. If you remember, the Bible, it's in Deuteronomy where they were told the Israelites were not allowed to see the form of the Lord because they were going to form an idol. So if you deal with idolatry in your heart, God will reveal more. You know that if we want to start seeing more miracles, we should remove idolatry from our hearts. Can I tell you what I mean? If we make Jesus the ultimate person where God can do certain crazy things, like let's say we're having a session right now and a cloud came in. If we're not going to change our name to cloud ministries and start worshiping a cloud and every week start praying for a cloud, then we'll have such manifestations. I'm telling you. And it says, now look at what it says. He sees the form of the Lord. Now listen to this sentence. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Hmm. Let me just say this. I, if you know me, I don't usually go into issues. I don't, but I'll just say this, please, for your sake. In, if you trust me as a spiritual man, Listen to my warning. Are, are you hearing me? If you trust me as a spiritual man, please listen to my warning. Apostle Sunday Sinyangwe, hey. Hey. You've even seen my hands. Ha. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Ha. Ha. If you see any funny story, just... Block it. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Listen. Some of you don't know that before you even got born again, that man was traveling Zambia, breaking altars, doing all those things. There is a reason why some of us don't have to preach certain messages. There are things he did. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. You can't be wiser than God. Mm-hmm. Just work out your own salvation and lead your own people to Christ. When you've led at least quarter of the people he's led. People, I hope you've heard me. I know what I'm talking about. Okay. Hey! I'm even afraid. I'm telling you, if you've observed any real spiritual man you'll meet, who's truly encountered God, if there's something they have, it's honor. They know when they meet someone higher than them. You should see me when Pastor Chodo is just saying hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything in me does, eh? <laughs> uh-uh. Okay, I hope you've heard me. I, okay, let me get back to my sermon. Mm, 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 mm. I know sometimes you're shocked. Sorry to be a bit more open to you, but sometimes I get shocked. Can you imagine? Do you know how many people have gotten saved through bread of life? 
And the person can dare speak against Bishop. I know, guys, sometimes be afraid. Bible says, who are you to judge another man's servant? Okay. I speak with him face to face, even plainly. Not, not in dark sense, and he sees the form of the Lord. Now, go back. My point was not this part. My point was verse uh, 7. Verse 6, actually. Where he said, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. That's showing that the Israelites would depend on the revelation that a prophet would get they would depend on the revelation that a prophet would get. So in every society, they needed somebody who could at least have a dream, somebody who could at least have a vision. And that was the channel through which God spoke to them. Now listen to this. Prophets were the messengers of that time. And of, of all the prophets in the Old Testament, I know Je I, I, the greatest... According to the words of Jesus, right? Let's, the greatest we know who, right? John the Baptist, right? Now, the most significant prophet of the Old Testament, by significant I mean important in that our doctrines and everything have been shaped around him, would have to be Moses. Right? It would have to be Moses. Um... In, in the context of our doctrines being shaped around him. In the context of our faith, of course, we'd have to look at Abraham. Okay, praise God. Because we are a seed of Abraham. Or well, someone is wondering if Abraham was a prophet. God said he was a prophet, didn't he? You remember when that man took Abraham's wife? After Abraham lied, but this wasn't... Okay, he didn't... I don't know if he lied. He told a skillful truth. Because Sarah was his stepsister. <laughs> Sarah was his stepsister, not so. So Abraham tells a skillful truth that, no, she's my sister. <laughs> and then the king took her as a wife. And then God appeared in the king's dream for Abraham's mistakes. And his first words were, you are a dead man. My friend, if God tells you you are a dead man. <laughs> and then afterwards, the king is like, what do I do? And he says, go to Abraham, tell him to pray for you, for he's a prophet. <laughs> he hasn't changed. I hope, I hope I speak a mystery. So praise God. So I was saying, the most significant one we see in the Old Testament is a man named Moses. In that he shaped, he received probably one of the most significant messages. He received the law, which we've been talking about. Now this same man who received the law gave a prophecy. And I want you to hear what he said. Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. How many of you know how many laws were there? How many? 613. It wasn't just the big 10. 613. And so when you reach the age of 13, it means you had reached the age of accountability if you're a Jewish young man. And then you'd be adopted as a son. And at that period, you are, your father would be very happy because it means he no longer has to pay for your sins. It now means you're accountable for your own, for your own actions. And 
you are vowing to keep all 615 laws. Praise God. For example, you are not just supposed to obey the Sabbath. There is a way you are supposed to obey it. There was what you were supposed to eat. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, you can think you've been keeping the Sabbath all your life. There was a way to eat. There was what to eat. <laughs> My friend, we all broke the law. <laughs> None was found righteous, not even one. But I want us to see something. Moses gave a prophecy in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. And I want you to see the prophecy he gave. And he's talking to the Israelites. He's giving some of his final words. And he says, Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents? How many of you remember the serpents? Come on, you remember the serpents from last week? The bronze serpent? And scorpions and thirsty land and there was no water. Who brought water for you out of the flinty rock? Uh -huh. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know? That he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Uh huh. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Um, are we in 18, verse 15? We're not. Deuteronomy 18. I want you to see what Moses promised the Israelites. Now here is Moses, probably the most important messenger of the old. But then he tells them something. He gave one of his most significant prophecies, probably the most. What did he say? The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. I want you to understand something. When Moses says he will raise a prophet like me, Moses was the only prophet who really set the doctrine. All the other ones had to follow the doctrine Moses set, not so. Isaiah didn't change the law. Ezekiel didn't change the law. And he says he'll raise up a prophet like me. Somebody who could actually bring his own entire doctrine and message. They, listen, Moses was the prophet God used to communicate a covenant. And God tells him, I'll send a prophet like me. Meaning a prophet who can actually now communicate another covenant. Praise God. I think you can see where this is going. Eh? And do you know that Peter spoke about this? I want you to see this same verse in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, look at what, is it Peter? Look at what he says. Verse 22. Ah, for me, church service with me, it's Bible study. <laughs> if you don't come with a notepad, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> okay, and it says... For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you. Uh -huh. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. This one you had to hear. And then he goes on to say, yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many have spoken, have also foretold these days. In short, all the other prophets who came were all pointing towards this messenger that Moses talked about. They all pointed towards him. All of them. The ultimate messenger. Even David spoke about him. Can I show you that David spoke about him? 
Give me Psalm 24. Somebody say hallelujah. Imwe. Ulibekia no? I said say hallelujah, hallelujah. Say it one more time. I want you to see this. Psalm 22. I want you to see verse start from verse 12. How many of you know the life of David? You've read it, eh? Let's read verse 12 and let's see if he's talking about himself. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. I, I can do an entire teaching on that part, but let's just continue. They gape at me with mouths like a raging and roaring lion. Uh-huh. I am poured out like water and my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. Uh-huh. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. Uh-huh. For dogs have surrounded me, Gentiles. Uh-huh. Remember? In the New Testament, Gentiles, uh, go back, go back, go back. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. When was where David's hands and feet pierced? When were David's hands and feet pierced? Uh, I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. Uh-huh. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. If you've read the story of Jesus, what happened to his clothing? They divided and they casted lots over his clothing. All the prophets were all pointing towards the ultimate messenger. Praise God. So we've had the angels, we've had the prophets, and none of the prophets could deliver in full. All the prophets would all promise there'll come a time, there'll come a time. Isaiah says there'll come a time. Joel says there'll come a time. Everyone is all pointing towards somebody. Notice that. All pointing towards this city that will come. This city that will come. Now let's look at the ultimate messenger. But wait, let, let's say something. Moses said, God will raise for you a prophet like me, right? Okay, let's, let's look at a few things. When Moses was born, Pharaoh decided to kill all the children. When the ultimate messenger was born, what happened to all the children? They're all being cured. Praise God. <laughs> now, when, when to save Moses from being killed, they hid him in water, right? And he was gotten out of the water. And then he was raised in the Egyptian palace, not so, by adopted parents. <laughs> he was raised by adopted parents. 
We know of someone who's not of this world. And he was raised by adopted parents. And interestingly, they went to Egypt. Interestingly, they went to Egypt. Don't you find it interesting? Don't you find the two interesting? They both had an assignment. Moses came back to deliver Israel. And he tells them, a prophet like me will be raised. Somebody like me. Somebody like me will be raised. Moses gave up life in the palace for his people. There's somebody who left his throne for his people. And so he told them, oh, somebody like me. And as if it's not enough, let's go now to a famous scripture. But before that, can we look at a parable? Let's look at a parable. Matthew 21. Verse 33. How many of you are enjoying this? So we've identified the first two messengers, right? The angels and the prophets. The angels would always raise a man, but the prophets were all pointing to one man. So let's look at one scripture, and then I'm going to tell you something important about the ultimate messenger. More than a prophet. More than a prophet. Probably the closest thing Moses could think of is a prophet, but more than a prophet. Now when, are we in Matthew 21? Are we in verse 33? Matthew 21, verse 33. It says, Yeshua speaking, Jesus speaking. Jesus is interesting, eh? How many of you know what the name Jesus means? You know what it means? There are people who've argued that Jesus... Uh, they say, no, why are you using the name Jesus? And yet, in the Old Testament, the name that was given, which shouldn't be replaced, is Jehovah. And you do know that Jehovah is what you say when you add the vowels to Yahweh, right? And if you study the name Jesus, it's Yeshua. And that's Yahweh saves. So who says the name Jehovah has been lost? That's the story for another day. It's Yahweh says, Yehoshua. It's okay. You're looking at me like, it's okay. Now here's another parable. I want you to look at this. I want you to understand that democracy and such are new concepts in the world. They are fairly new. This is not the way the world was brought up thinking. And so it says, hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who, hate, who, who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. He leased it to vine dressers and went out into a far country. When you list something, it means the rights are given to them for some time, right? Uh-huh. Now, when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive his fruit. It's interesting when you read in the scriptures that there is only one person in the Old Testament who was ever called the Son of God. 
one human being. You know who that was, right? Adam. If you've read the genealogies, it says Adam, the son of God. It's interesting that Abraham was called a friend of God. It's interesting that Moses was called a servant of God. He was somebody who could see God face to face. But at the end of the day, he was a servant. And so it says, and the wine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Uh-huh. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first. They did likewise to them. Uh -huh. The last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. Now, hold on. I want you to understand why it says they will respect my son. Can we just do a bit of, just a bit of understanding? Can we do that? Now, why did he say they will respect my son? I want you to understand that in those days, authority and power was hereditary. By that I mean authority was by blood. I'm sure we've seen that in our country with the chiefs and the like. No one writes a test saying, okay, whoever scores the highest becomes the chief. That's not the way it is. Becoming a chief in our nation is not a popularity contest. To qualify, you must have some royal blood. So in those days, the most prized possession for a king was his son. Have you ever seen photos of some of the kings and princesses and queens of England from back in the day? Have you ever noticed that they are not the most, how can I say this without sounding harsh? They are not the most handsome. Do you know why? They used to practice incest. They were trying to keep the blood royal. So it would mess with the genetics. Because the most prized possession was your son. Authority came on someone by virtue of being your child. Now what would happen with the Israelites is this. Their child would be born, but their son would be adopted. MJ, what I mean. What that means is, if the child comes of age, the father would throw the child a celebration, an adoption service. Bono, just come for a minute. Come. And then he will get the child and he will say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. When that happens, it means, think about this, in the house, even if they had servants, the servants used to tell the child what to do. It means the father would, would tell the servants, make sure he eats, make sure he cleans his plates. For even though the son had more rights, he had not come of age. But the moment he says, this is my son, the servant will not tell him what to do. He will tell the servants what to do. And it means now the appearance of the son is the appearance of the father. When he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, it means now when the son comes and says, hey, you, you will not say, I'm the one who nursed you, because the son is now like the, is exactly like the father. Same authority in the house. It means 
when you've reported to the son, you've as good as reported to the father. It means if you are owing the father, the son can come and say, where is my credit? And you can't argue because he is the son. So, this, so when it says, I will send my son, they will hear him. Because when you send the son, it's as good as sending the father. He's got the same authority. Now that gets you thinking. When Jesus was baptized, have you noticed a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son. In short, whatever he says, I have said. When he declares, I have declared. Whatever is done, I have done. I don't know if you're getting my point. Listen to him. Praise God. You can take your seat. So now, it says, the last of all, he sent his son to them saying they will respect him. Notice it says the last of all. There was no one afterwards. Uh, but when the wine dresser saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Because once you kill the son, you've, killed the, you've gotten the inheritance. You've killed the inheritance. Uh-huh. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. It was a parable with a hidden meaning. Jesus was talking about the ultimate messenger who was going to be sent. Afterwards, you'll see the afterwards part. But the ultimate messenger who was going to be sent, and he was showing the fate of the ultimate messenger. First he was explaining that the ultimate messenger would be a son, would be the son, and the son would be killed. Praise God. So I hope you're getting me. We're talking about the ultimate messenger. And we've described the first were angels. Then we had the prophets. And then he decided to send his son. And remember, the son is as good as the father. And so give me Hebrews 1 verse 1. Maybe now you understand the scripture. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. How did God speak in those days? Come on, how did God speak in those days? Let's look at how he has spoken now. Verse 2. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through him through whom he made the worlds. He has now spoken through his son. Someone will ask, Pastor, so when somebody comes and says, I've got a word from the Lord, you understand that part soon. So Jesus was the ultimate messenger. Praise God. I want you to take one minute and explain to your neighbor what you've learned so far. By the time you're done explaining to them, they should know who the messengers are. I'm watching you. Okay, okay, okay. Praise the Lord. 
Is somebody following the teaching so far? Just to ensure you're following. What's the first messenger I mentioned? The second one. But now who has he spoken by? Listen, if somebody sends his son, you're going to have to take them seriously. Praise the Lord. Because that's the best he can send. You're going to have to take their message seriously. And what I want you to understand is that this son came with a message. And he was also the message. And I want us to see what message he came with. Because Moses said, somebody else will be sent like me. Now let's look at it. John chapter 1. A comparison is made. We are told in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Let's just go down to verse 11. Ah, what does it tell us about the word? He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Keep going. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Uh -huh. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now listen to this. This is what it says about the word. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh-huh. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, if he's preferred over John, then he's definitely preferred over all the prophets. Why? Because he was before. He was there from the onset. Uh, what does it say about him? Let's look at his message. Uh -huh. And of his fullness have we received, and grace for grace. Wait here. All the prophets spoke in part. All of them prophesied in part. They would give pictures of the jigsaw. But for him, the Bible says, of his fullness have we received grace upon grace. Grace upon? Grace. I see the word grace coming up again. Next verse. Let's look at his message. For the law was given through? Okay, come on. Read it for yourselves. One, wait, before you read it, remember Moses said another messenger will come like him. And what did Moses communicate to us? A covenant. He's the only one who communicated to us a covenant. And then the rest, when a Jeremiah and a Isaiah would prophesy that a new covenant will come. A new covenant will come. But now let's look at this. One, two, three, go. For the law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Oh, go, go, go. What message did the ultimate messenger bring? And remember, the quality of a message can be seen by the quality of the messenger. His only son, the word from the beginning, bearing the fullness of God, bearing the same attributes that make God God, brought you a message. Read it again. One more time. So the first 
covenant was given through Moses. And Moses prophesied that there will be an, another messenger like him. And this messenger would bring grace and truth. Now somebody may ask, Pastor, <laughs> now here is my confusion. Now that you've told us he's the last messenger, he's the ultimate messenger. And Nanda is saying, <laughs> let's look at something. Let's start with Ephesians 4. Let's look at verse 9. This ultimate messenger, what does he do? He ascended. What does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. Uh, verse 10. Just keep going, please. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Uh-huh. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Wait. Go back. So, the same Jesus who's now the ultimate messenger, in his own sovereignty, decided to give apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists. One would think he gave them to be the messengers. But that's not what it says. Next verse. Give it to me from the King James. King James. One, two, three, go. So he sends the fivefold, and he doesn't actually send them to be messengers. Of course, they are part of the saints, they've got a message. But have you noticed that primarily he sends them to perfect the saints? So at the same to do what? The work of ministry. And what's the work of ministry? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. What does it say? Give it to me in the New King James. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So meaning, <laughs> next verse, <laughs> we, are getting, we are going somewhere. I said New King James. To which that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespass to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What am I trying to say? We... You find the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists have been sent to perfect the saints for the work of ministry. And we are shown that we've been given, we've been committed with the ministry of reconciliation and we've, we've been commissioned to preach the word of reconciliation. And it's interesting Can I show you a mystery? Take me back to the law came through Moses. I want to keep, keep these things in your mind. I'm trying to go a bit deeper today. John 1 verse 14. Is it verse 17, 16? Which one is it? Read it. One, two, three, go. 
Go to verse 14. Read it. We're going somewhere. So now grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And he is the ultimate messenger. So as the saints are being perfected, what do the saints become? Let's go to Ephesians 4. Let's, let's read it for ourselves. Are you ready? And let's read verse... A thought has just come. If the son is as good as the father, then only the son can come tell you that we've cancelled your credit. It's only a son who can preach this message. Are we in Ephesians 4? Give me verse, let's start from verse 11. Uh -huh. One, two, three, go. Let's keep going. For the equipment of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Christ has a body now. And this body is no longer just one person. Then what is he raising this body to be? Uh -huh. Let's go. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So as we are ministering this message, I want you to understand something. We are now part of the body of Christ. The same Christ who brought grace and truth. We are now part of his body. So what does he do? He selects people in his body to train the rest. And all of us should come to a level of the fullness of Christ so that we can minister this message of reconciliation. We've got, we've got a ministry of reconciliation. So who has the ministry of reconciliation? Christ. And if any man be in Christ. So where are you? You are in Christ. So you've got the right to preach this message. Don't you think that's why Jesus tells the apostles, whoever you forgive will be forgiven. Because Jesus was introduced to us as the only begotten of the Father. But look at it now. Hebrews 2. <laughs> Hebrews 2. Give me from verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory. He didn't want to be the only one. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Look at verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. Now listen to this. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. 
Imagine Jesus is not ashamed to call you a brother. And yet he was the only begotten. Look at Romans 8 verse 28. I've diverted a bit, but I'll come back. Let's see, Romans 8 28. All things work together. We know all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Uh -huh. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He used to be the only one, but look at what he is now. One, two, three, go. I don't know if you've got it. Wait, read it again. So can you imagine, he who was the only begotten refused to remain the only one. The Bible says, unless a seed dies and it's planted, it won't produce others. So he decides to die, and he's planted, and now we are no longer calling him the only begotten, we're now calling him the firstborn among men. The ultimate messenger. The ultimate messenger brought the ultimate message. It's a message that saves. It's a message that teaches. It's a message that renews. It's a message that changes. It's a message that empowers. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And it says, for in it the righteousness of, of God is revealed. In that message, you see the rightness of God. You see God being a solution to the world. It's the ultimate message, and it was delivered by the ultimate messenger. We might as well pay attention to it. Having said that, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. If I may add on, I'll tell you that that word came through the ultimate messenger. And Moses told us something about this messenger. He says, whoever does not listen to him will be destroyed. There is no hope for him. There is no hope. I mean, who else will be sent? So when he talks about, in the past he spoke through the prophets, but now he has spoken through his son. What that means is this. Listen, there is no one who can come and give a bigger script than the one Jesus has given. That's why any prophecy that does not match with the ultimate message, we disqualify it. Because there is no bigger message anymore. There is no one who can come and say on behalf of God, no, no. There is no one who can do that because Jesus has done that. So now everything we do is in Christ. Wait, is somebody getting my point? So meaning if I come and say I'm speaking on behalf of God and it's outside Christ, then it's a lie. It's in Christ now. It's in Christ now. That's why the more appropriate way now is not even that saith Jehovah. It's in the name of Jesus. because he has brought the ultimate message. There is no one who is bigger than him. No one can write a doctrine which does not match with Christ. No one can do that. He's the ultimate messenger. And so what, what is he doing through us? Let's just read 2 Corinthians 5.18 just one more time. I, I want us to see it. Maybe with care. It says, this is what he's doing through us. Romans 5, uh, first. 2 Corinthians 5.18. It says, All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And look at what he's doing through us. Uh -huh. 
That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Next verse. Now then we are ambassadors of Christ. I've noticed that people love to use the term ambassador of Christ when they want to talk about their benefits. But being an ambassador is first a responsibility. It says we are ambassadors of Christ. How, how are we ambassadors? As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. An ambassador doesn't carry their own agenda. That's why you'll notice anyone can comment on issues. But if an ambassador comments on an issue, it becomes a big deal. Why? Because if an ambassador comments, it's as good as the country has commented. It's as good as the entire country has commented because he's the person who's been sent. I remember I was watching, I think there was a time there were some Zambians protesting in South Africa. By then, um, I'm not sure if they're called His Excellency. I think His Excellency Ambassador Emmanuel Mwamba was in South Africa by then. And they came to the embassy and were demanding to see the president. And he said something that I think some people didn't get. He said, guys, if you talk to me, it's as good as you've spoken to him because I'm going to speak, what, I'm going to speak on his behalf. Why? And, and that was completely true because when you're an ambassador, you're speaking on one's behalf. You've been sent as a representation of that person in that place. So how do you know you're functioning well as an ambassador? It's if you speak what Jesus was going to speak. You speak the message Jesus was going to give. Are you giving them the message of Moses? Are you Moses' ambassador? Are you giving them the first letter? Or are you like the other ones who were sent on the second trip? I don't know about you, but in the book of Esther, I would have loved to be on the second trip. Because when the first guys were sent to send the message, the people were crying, they were mourning. Wouldn't you have loved to be the one who comes and says, Oh, guess what? You don't have to cry anymore. I've come with a new message. I've come with another letter. There is a new message. There is a new covenant. And the world is dying to hear this. The world is searching for this. That's why we say we are bringing hope to the hopeless. Because everyone is a minister. When we bring this message, there is something it does in a person. We're getting to that next week. But the Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. Imagine, even uses the word pleading saying, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The message of grace is the, is the message that brings reconciliation. What does it mean to be reconciled? You're put back. Imagine God is calling you back to that place. Saints of the living God, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Next week, hopefully, we might start looking at the word of his grace. I've decided to take my time. I want by the time I'm done with you, you're dangerous. That school that you're at, you're an ambassador. That workplace that you're at, you're an ambassador. That family you're in, you're an ambassador. Speak Christ's message. That person in the family who everyone is condemning, don't take the first letter to them, take them the second. Tell them they can be reconciled to God. That person everyone has counted out, you've got a message for them. 
You may be listening to me right now and you're one of those who's been counted out. You're one of those who, if we are to go by the first letter, my friend, you're gone. Because any message we were to preach, maybe on holiness or on obeying the Lord, is not your message. Perhaps you've lived a life of sin. Perhaps maybe you've just never known certain things. Deep inside, if you're born again, you know it. Perhaps you, you are even brought up religious. Nicodemus, who Jesus preached being born again, was a religious man. So you can grow up religious, but you're not, you not saved. You've not accepted Jesus as your Lord. When someone is, a Lord, is your Lord, you do what they want you to do. So you may be listening to me and Jesus is not yet your Lord. I'm pleading with you on Christ's behalf. Listen, God could not stand the thought of eternity without you. I'm pleading with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. And I would like to help you. Imagine Christ is pleading. It's like, I want this one, I want this one. And the accuser of the brethren is saying, but they did this, they did that, they did that. I want them, I want them, I want them. I shed my blood for them, I paid the price for them. I'm the son, I can decide if their debt is paid. So if you're listening to me, maybe you've even heard this quarter for three, four times, but now it makes sense. Now you understand it. I want you to lift your hand. I want you to lift your hand if you're that person who I'm speaking this to. Just raise your hand. Say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I accept your Lordship over my life. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Reconciled to you. I sense, I can sense the presence of the Lord on you.